Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I'm so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. So today's episode requires a bit of backstory, but I promise it'll all make way more sense once you hear the context. So a few summers ago, the summer of 2018 to be exact, was one of the toughest, darkest, saddest, most difficult times of my whole entire life. I found myself in an absolute tailspin of anxiety and depression. And as the anniversary of this season rolls around every year, I always find myself remembering with just total clarity how it all felt. As the weather gets warmer and summer sets in, I always feel this fresh wave of gratitude for the fact that I'm not stuck in that dark place anymore. And I tear up every single time I think of the women who carried me through it. I also take this time each year to check in with myself. It's a time when I check in on how I'm doing and when I try to get really quiet and listen to the answer. It's my own personal mental health awareness time. And next week, I wanna invite you to join me in it. Next week, we're gonna do two things in our little corner of the internet. Number one, I'm gonna tell you the full story of what happened that summer. Side note here, make sure you're on my email list because that's where I'm gonna be sharing the story. You can sign up for that on my website. It's stephaniemaywilson.com. But I'm gonna tell you the full story of my mental health journey. And I wanna do this because I have a feeling that someone in our community is struggling right now and needs to hear that she's not alone in this. Then number two, after I tell you what happened, I'm gonna tell you how I was able to get the help that I needed. Along the way, three friends showed up for me in positively life-changing ways. They showed up right when I needed them and they carried me through that season. And as much as I possibly can, I wanna pass along to you what they gave to me. My friends encouraged me to get help and then help me actually get the help I needed. And so if you're in a rough place right now, that's exactly what I wanna do for you too. So along with telling you my full mental health story next week, we are gonna do something really cool here on the podcast. Over the next few weeks, y'all are going to get to hear from two really, really important women in my life. My own personal counselors, the one I worked with back in 2018 and the one I'm working with now. These are women who have been in my corner over the last several years, helping me heal from some things from my past, helping me through the difficult things I've faced in the present, and making it so that I not only have gotten to the other side of those things, I've actually come out on the other side better and healthier and stronger than ever before. These women have helped me grow and heal so much. They've helped me become a healthier version of myself and every single part of my life and every single one of my relationships is better as a result. I'm so excited for you to meet them and for you to get a sense of what therapy has been like for me because I feel like it's sort of a way to sample the kind of help and support that's available for you too. Now, okay, I have to give a quick disclaimer here. Confidentiality is something that is taken really seriously when it comes to counseling and therapy. And so it's pretty unconventional for me to be introducing you to my counselors, both former and current, and for us to be sharing some of the things that we've talked about in our sessions. I wanted to let you know that we have had all the conversations and signed all the necessary paperwork when it comes to the ethics of having them on the show, especially with my current therapist who you'll meet next week. We have done all the work to make sure to protect my privacy, the work we've done together, and the integrity of our therapeutic relationship. That's just super important that that you know that, so I wanted to make sure to say it. So with that out of the way, that brings us to today's episode. Our guest for today's episode is my former therapist, the one who walked me through that dark season in 2018 and so much more, Blake Blinkenbeckler. And today I've invited her on the show to talk about people-pleasing. 
People-pleasing and how to set boundaries are things that she and I talked about a lot during our time together. I cannot even tell you how much of an impact that's had on my life, how much freedom I've been able to step into as a result. Friends, if you are a people pleaser, if you have a hard time saying no or feel guilty for setting boundaries or worry constantly about how other people are perceiving you and often feel resentful because you're so depleted from it all, this episode is for you. And one last thing, like I said, next week is going to be a really big week here in our corner of the internet. I shared my mental health story for the first time last year and it was one of the most impactful things I think we've ever done around here. I had no idea that that was gonna be the case, but it really was. So if you wanna make sure to hear the story and take part in all that we're gonna do during our mental health week next week, make sure you're on my email list. Again, you can sign up at stephaniemaywilson.com. I'm so excited to dive in. All right, without any further ado, here is my conversation with Blake. All right, friends, we have a treat for you today. I am sitting here with my friend, but more importantly, my former therapist, Blake Blinkenbeckler. And Blake, I have, um, we haven't gotten to catch up in a while, but I feel like I've talked about you so much in the last handful of years and the things that you've taught me and the things that I learned while I was in therapy with you. And I'm so excited for women to get to know you. Um, And also I'm really, you know, as we're talking about, we talk about mental health and therapy a ton in, you know, our corner of the internet. I'm so excited to get to introduce my women to like someone who has actually been in my corner for a really long time. So welcome to Girls Night. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. This is so fun. I know. So for women who haven't gotten to meet you yet, tell us who you are, what you do, and I'd love to hear a fun fact about you. Yes, I got this question. Okay. Fun fact. Fun fact. I'm Blake Blankenbeckler, quite a full last name. I married into my last name. I was not born with this, but... What was your maiden name? Snyder. Oh, that's a lot easier. Yeah. (laughs) So much easier. This was how I knew. I was like, I'll probably end up marrying this guy because the idea of uh, like the chances of a name like Blake Blink and Beckler don't really happen. Uh Yeah. I love it now. Um, But yeah, I'm a licensed therapist. So I have in these past few years moved way too much. Um, So currently live in Charleston, South Carolina, where I have my therapy practice. It's called Big Holistic Psychotherapy. And I do a lot of work with trauma, eating disorders, codependency, honestly, just being human these days. Let's be honest. Those are like big words, but a lot of it's just being human. And then, yeah, kind of out of that and seeing people from all over the country, I started doing like just noticing friendships and like, we don't talk about these parts of our life enough. Um, We don't give them enough like time in the spotlight. And there are always these kind of like side relationships, but they're actually deeply pivotal to our well-being as women. Yeah. Okay. Fun facts. I thought about this. It came to me this morning as I was getting ready. Um, All the best things do. Yes. It's really true. It's really true. I thought about it and I was like, what is this? Um, So most like normal moms put their kids in normal sports like basketball, tennis, soccer. My mother put me in water ballet. So yes, I grew up doing synchronized swimming. So Monday nights, I went to this pool at Queens College in Charlotte and me and my little friend did synchronized swimming. Um, (laughs) Synchronized swimming is really hard. 
Oh, isn't it's it? Very, it's very hard. Yes. And like, I, this is like novice level, like elementary school vibes. Um, but had like a teeny tiny, you have to wear a nose clip so you don't get water up your nose. During like recitals, you put gelatin in your hair so it doesn't move. And my friend Josie and I, one of our recitals before we like got in the water, we did the, um, the parent trap handshake. So that yes. was a big uh-huh. thing. So yeah, mm-hmm. it was like a full circle moment. I was just in Moab and celebrated her wedding to her beautiful wife. And yeah, so fun. Oh my, did you guys do the parent trap handshake? We did not do that. <laughs> I mean, I actually don't know that I totally know, know it, which is kind of shameful. Like I know everything else yeah. about the parent trap, but I don't I don't know that it was ever like my thing with one of my friends to like do the handshake. So um, I don't know, maybe I'll get Carl to like learn it with me. Yes. I mean, I feel like yeah. it's a pivotal moment in the psyches of all 90s kids. Yeah, yeah. I know all the songs. I know everything. Yeah. And now having twins, I'm like, so it's just yeah. meant to be. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, I really, I really love knowing that. So actually, it's funny that you said the thing about friendships. I'm really glad that you're talking about friendships more and, you know, on Instagram and like just just having it be more of a focus of what you talk about because, and I don't know how much I'll like share about our year and a half or two years of therapy together, but I will say that the hardest I cried in your office and the most surprising moment of crying in your office was talking about friendships. And I mean, we talked about a million things, like all kinds of things, working together. But I do remember one day we were talking about friendships and I just burst into tears. And I remember kind of looking at myself like, what's happening right now? I just didn't see. Yeah. (laughs) Why am I crying? But it was like the hardest and most surprising. And I think we both were like, I think we've hit on something here. But it's it's because it is. It's a really, I think we talk about this all the time here, but I think we can be the best parts of, of each other's lives as women, but also we can do some real damage to each other. And I've experienced both of those things. So Absolutely. I'm really, really glad yeah. you're doing the work you're doing. Oh, um, you. So one of the things I wanted before we dive in, we're going to talk about all things people-pleasing and boundaries today, um, which is so much of what you and I spent a really long time talking about. But I want to talk about therapy for a second. And just as we're kind of in a therapy theme for the summer, I wanted to share why I started seeing you in the first place. I think that we have this kind of misconception about therapy where it's like something really bad and really sudden has to happen. And then you have to go to therapy like immediately after. And I've done that in life, like after big car accident or different things like that, I've like gone immediately into therapy and it's been so good. But when I reached out to you, I had been feeling like there were some random things in my life that like potholes almost that I kept like tripping into. And it was like, man, I'm really anxious about this thing or I like, I feel really guilty about this when I do that. Like when I say no to a friend, I worry for like two weeks that they're mad at me about it. Or, um, you know, I keep getting in this recurring fight with my mom or, you know, it was just like this random list of things. And I started to just write them down. Like in my phone, I just wrote them down and it was like things to talk about in therapy. (laughs) And then finally the list got like long enough. And I really, I think what I was feeling was actually just a lot of anxiety, but I didn't really have language for that yet. Um, but the list got long enough and the things on the list became annoying enough and hard enough that I finally was like, I think it's time. 
And so I reached out to you and and I remember in our first session, like I've been in counseling before and also both my parents are licensed psychologists. Like I'm yeah. well-versed. But I remember sitting in your office feeling so nervous. And like, I think I even made like a therapy joke. Like, should I like lie down on the couch? Or like, I don't know. I just like made some awkward. I just was, I was like, even though I was really like well-versed in therapy, I just still was kind of uncomfortable at the beginning. But um, mm-hmm. I remember walking out the first day going, this is the best thing that I could do for myself, but also the best thing I can do for Carl, for my future kids, for my work, for my friendships, for everything. Like this is just going to be really impactful for everything. And it was. And so I just want to like, if there are women sitting here, you know, thinking like, I mean, the idea of therapy has crossed my mind a a time or two. What encouragement do you have for them about like how therapy could maybe help them? I think there's so much like thoughts of like what actually happens in a therapy session And it's a lot less sexy than you may think, but it's also a lot, it's different. Like it's a challenging, curious, compassionate conversation that is just about you. Certainly as the therapist, like I'm sitting there, I'm with you, but the the focus, the impetus is not on me. And that can even be really scary. But I think like how generous to let ourselves have a space that is just for us to slow down, where there's not like a, and I do long-term therapy with folks. So it's not like, okay, three, like here are your three steps, like get on with life. It's not really about symptom reduction. It's about how do you come back into yourself? How do you unlearn even some of these messages that you got? Like you're too messy, you're too sensitive, you're too much. Like it's bad to say, no, you always need to be compliant with others. You always need to give of yourself. And just this space to begin thinking like, what if there what if there are other options? Like what if there are other stories? Mm-hmm. Um, I often say, like I, I work with parts. So it's like we have our anxious parts, we have our really angry parts, we have sometimes our really sensitive parts. And a lot of times when people come to therapy, the idea is like, okay, I just want to get rid of this. I just want to be happy and I just want to feel good. And I'll be really honest and upfront with them. Like I hear you. I totally get that. I feel the same way. And we're going to slow it way down. We're going to look at like why these parts even showed up in the first place. How do we turn towards them? How do we have compassion for them? And how do we integrate them so that in the moment you have, when you're triggered or when things happen, you have more options than either say just reverting to people pleasing or reverting to freaking out that you can slow yourself down. And I, and like you said, like I got chill bumps, like you doing this work changes you, it changes your marriage, it changes your family, the generations to come. Like it is such beautiful work. I love that. I love that. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that came up over and over again was this tendency I have towards people pleasing. And it came up in several ways. And so I've pulled like, I think four of the things that we like really, really talked about. And these things changed Talking through these things, really working on these things, practicing these things really changed my life. And I I know that I can't be the only one who struggled with these things. Um, And so I just want to talk through (laughs) them, like uh, just to give people who also struggle with them like a starting point. And so I think that a lot of us, maybe especially as women, um, would identify as people pleasers. And so I wanted to start with 
Can you kind of like define this for us? Why do we struggle with this? Where does this come from? And I have no idea what you're going to say, but I know that it's going to be really good. Because <laughs> I'm like, you've made some sort of connection that I don't know about, about where this comes from. So I'm excited. There's so many things. We can name the patriarchy first and foremost, but I won't get into that because it's just so like broad. We won't go quite that broad stroke. So I'll bring it into the minutia. People pleasing is this thing. It's this way of being. A lot of times it's unconscious meaning. And what unconscious means is we don't know that we're doing it. Um, It's just like right out of mind. It's like, yeah, I do this thing to do this thing. But it's essentially a way of staying attached and connected in relationships. And it's something that we learn really early on. So when you're little baby or toddler per se, like if your parents don't love you, and I'm going to make broad strokes, um, if your parents don't love you or they're not supporting your survival needs, like you will die. And so it's pretty dire and intense. Um, And so a lot of times what happens is kids are so perceptible and can perceive so much um, that it's this sense of like, if I, I would rather choose to stay connected to my caregiver or attached to my caregiver than risk saying what I want or what I need or even having an outburst um, to keep that connection and keep that love. Like I was listening to something this morning and the woman was saying, uh, talking about how she disciplined her children. And she says, I really made clear to them that when they did something wrong, they were, they were, there was a consequence, but they were not in trouble. And I was like, yeah, that's like zero people's experience. Like most people, when they did something wrong, like they felt like they were in trouble. And there was a sense like delight and love, like the parent like removed their delight and love from them. Um, They were disappointed. They were like, I don't like that. And so we just learn over time to adapt and to shape shift of how can I do what you need me to do? Because that means that I get attachment and connection and care. Like how wise. And so that's like the starting place of so much of this work is not like to shame any part of this, but all of our coping skills are rooted in wisdom. Like how wise that some part of you knew I need to get rid of my messy parts and my needy parts and be really compliant to keep in good graces with your with your caregivers. Yeah. And then that kind of just evolves into your friends and your teachers and your significant others and everybody else in your life because yeah. it's become a pattern at that point, right? Yeah. And then it's like people wake up at 20 or I see a lot of women. It's like they wake up at 27, 28, 30s, whenever. And they're like, I don't know who I am. I don't even know what I like because it's always been about the other person. So then the work becomes, how do we get you back in your own body and get curious about who you are? Oh my gosh. I really, I might, I might cry uh, during this because I'm like, it just, this is so important and so good and so needed. And we also spent a really long time talking through all these things. (laughs) Um, So it's really interesting that you say that because removing delight and connection, like, I mean, my my kids are just starting to like do things, like period, like do good things, do bad things, like do things I don't want them to do, do things I do want them to do. Like, yeah. and so I'm I, like, as of like this week, truly, and it's things like 
digging things out of the trash. Like, I don't love that. Um, or, you know, like uh, sharing with their sister. Like, I, I, like, that's a good thing. But it would never be my intention ever to make them feel like I don't delight in them or I don't love them or I don't want to be connected to them when they're yeah. digging through the trash. But it would be, but that's a really natural way of reacting is like, I'm not delighting in you right now. I'm asking you to stop digging in the trash, you know? <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, that's, I'm like, okay, I need to just keep thinking about this. That's so good. Well, so that's a wise thing for us to do as kids. Like that's, that's a survival technique, but like, where is the good and the bad in that? Like, cause there, there is a, a degree of like, you know, throwing temper tantrums is not something that we should continue doing into our adulthood, but also like, where's the line between it being important that we're messy and that we're honest and also like, how do we take responsibility too? Like, we can't just... Yeah. Like, is it a, is it really a bad thing for us to adapt to being more easier to connect with or something? Like, where is that good and where is that bad? Yeah, I, I think I have... I've noticed lately, like, I mean, you go on social media, there's so much talk about like, no is a full sentence. Like, just have boundaries. And they're very harsh and like, they're not connected boundaries. So it's like, it's very, I mean, even I think about if someone was just to just, if a friend was just to like, look at me and be like, no, that would be like my body backed up. Like it would be really alarming and that would not feel good versus (laughs) can a friend look at me and say, Hey, I know that this is really important and thank you so much for inviting me. And like, just with everything that I have going on, I just don't have the margin to come and I can't. Like, I love yeah. you. I'm sorry. This sucks. We can both have feelings about it. And that, oh, like, yes. Okay. Better. I get it. So much better. So I think it was, gosh, it was like this old clip. I remember Kristen Bell saying, she was like, my therapist always said, honesty without tactfulness is cruelty. And I really appreciated that. I like that. I like that. Like we can give compassionate no's and have compassionate mess and also take responsibility. Like, you know, even this idea of asking our friend, hey, I am struggling with something so much. And it's like, I just want to vent. Do you have space for that? Just even asking the question before just going straight at it is really kind. And I think ways that we can be responsible and conscientious of others. Yeah. So I want to get into the, like, kind of these different, I want to like, there's so many things I want to dig into. So let's like pick pick one. Yes. Um, so one of the things that I, one of the ways that I saw this coming up in my life a lot, like people pleasing, was that I had a hard time saying what I wanted and what I needed and what I didn't want. And I mean, it came up in like really big ways, but then also small ways. Like, um, I think I've talked about this on the show before, but uh, Carl and I were at a food truck and I wanted a milkshake and I got a milkshake and the milkshake was like 15 bucks or something like that. Like I ordered it and they gave me the bill and I was like, that is not worth it. Like that is insane. Why did I get this? But it was like too late. But then the, the guy was like, well, I don't normally work here. So let me know if the milkshake's bad. I'm just subbing in for a friend. Here's your milkshake. And it was basically like, weird milk with like a dash of ice cream. Like it was like really so bad. I was like, okay, I just, it was terrible. <laughs> and I just spent 15 bucks on it. And this is when I was seeing you. And so I was like, Carl, will you like see if he'll add a little more ice cream? And Carl goes, nope, you need to do it. 
And so I had to decide, like, did I want this stranger that I don't know? Uh, he And he even opened the door for feedback. And it, But it was like, I had to decide if I wanted to give it or not, or if I was going to just drink or throw away a gross $15 milkshake. And so I think I did end up like asking for more ice cream. But saying what you want and what you need and what you don't want is really hard. And I think that like to start out with, a lot of times it's because we don't know. Like you said, mm-hmm. like we can get to our late 20s, 30s, I mean, really however old and realize that we have no idea. And so like, why is it important that we know, I guess? And how do we start to figure out what we want and need and don't want? I think it's important to know what you want so you can know, like, if you know who you are, you know what you need and you know what you want and you know what you don't want. It's a slow process. So I say that I say that line all together, but it's a slow process. And I think there's a lot of importance about knowing those things just so that we can like be our, we talk, I mean, everywhere talks about like being your true self, being your full self. Like you are not made to just be a blend of whatever. Like even I, I use this great, example in this great metaphor um, of this idea of like a fruit smoothie versus a fruit salad. So a lot of us know how to be a fruit smoothie, meaning like I'm a blueberry, I'm blueberries, you're strawberries. And basically we get in relationship with each other and something happens and the blend button gets pushed. So before you know it, like, I don't know where I end and you begin because we're all the same. That's not true. Like there's so much beauty in our uniqueness and in our differences. And we need to have some edges so that we can know where we end and where we begin. So it's like, can we become more of like a fruit salad where it's like, I get to be a blueberry, you get to be strawberries and we get to exist together in the same place, but we get to be different. I know that I always harp back on childhood, but usually that's really scary. Like that was not uh, supported. That was not something that was really like, I love when you're different. I love when you have your own opinions. I think it is now, but it wasn't so much. And I would also say knowing who we are, knowing what we want, like keeps us out of resentment. So if you're someone who feels a ton of resentment and a ton of like bitterness and jealousy and envy, like great data for you that you might need to do some work to learn about yourself because clearly some boundaries are getting crossed. Yeah. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there, and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. 
In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing. That is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. I'm glad that you said that because I think that Brene Brown talks about this, Sam, that like you just are able to love other people better and be loved by them when there are some boundaries involved. Like, and, and normally I think boundaries make it seem like we're separate from each other or we're like, there's a big gap between us. But it's just that like, yeah, there's not there's not resentment of like getting your your toes stepped on constantly. You're able to just like she there I can't remember which book it, it's in, but she talks about um she was speaking someplace and she didn't want to act like she didn't want to like be perceived as like a diva and so she just kind of went along with it when they said that they were going to have her share a hotel room with someone else. 
And she's like, normally, like I, it's my sleep the night before I speak is really important. And like, I usually am in my hotel room practicing and like, you know, it's just, it's a really important like thing that I have some time alone, but she just didn't want to seem like a diva. And so she didn't say anything. And the roommate that they gave her was like, a disaster. Like the only thing I can remember is she was eating like a chocolate donut and wiped her chocolatey hands all over the hotel couch or something. Like it was just like a crazy, you can't make this stuff up situation. Um, but I think her point was like, if I, I could have been friends with that lady, I could have like been kind to her, I could have whatever. And it, but I just needed to sleep in my own bed. And I yeah. think that that's like a good picture of that. You just need like enough space to get a good night's rest and then you're yeah, a lot better with everybody else. Can we be courageous enough to say like, I need my own room. I need a new milkshake. This one actually doesn't. Like I remember I was somewhere and they're like, how, how was your drink? And I was like, yeah, it was not good. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like caught off guard. Like it was almost like he expected me to say like, oh, it was great. And I was like, yeah, I think something was bad in it. Like it didn't taste how it should. And he's like, oh yeah, so so sorry, so sorry. Um it's but like it's it's worth we are worth a $15 smoothie or milkshake that tastes like a milkshake or like you are your $20 however much it costs your drink is worth like not bad ingredients and and I think that's kind of one of the things that is really hard is like believing that our comfort or our desires like trumps making someone else uncomfortable. But I think really the other person, like that guy really wanted to make me a good milkshake. Yeah. You know, and like I gave him 15 bucks for it. It's like the the trade-off, the trade-off is there. I don't think most people would want us to just like suffer in silence. No. And, and especially as women, we have a contorted relationship with pleasure. Can we have it? We shouldn't have it. It's indulgent. Even this idea of like coming to therapy every week is like, I don't know about this. This costs a lot of money. It's all about me, like da-da-da. And it's like, gosh, what this that tells such a bigger story of what it means to take care of ourselves and how hard it is and how convoluted it's been to do these things. Yeah. The other thing that I was thinking is like when it comes to saying what we want and need, the more we can practice in little ways, the easier it is to speak up in big ways. Like, have you seen that to be true? Yeah. So the psychological term or kind of what we're working with is something called frustration tolerance. So a lot of times when I think about frustration, so say people pleasing, it's like you're actually always going to feel frustrated. So frustration is a normal part of life, like welcome. It is frustrating to start sipping a really bad $15 milkshake that kind of frustration like leaves you stuck and it leaves you the same, especially if you keep frustrating yourself in the same way versus there's this other kind of frustration that you had to frustrate yourself and even Carl frustrated you when he was like, no, you gotta, you gotta do, you gotta do your work. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said, actually, can you add some more? Like you had to frustrate yourself to do that, but it also led to something new. So we have to increase our frustration tolerance. So yes, Starting with strangers, obviously we want to be nice and kind to the incredible you know, service industry. That's not what we're talking about. But even as simple as you get to a restaurant, here's a great example. And they sit you at a table that's like right where everyone's walking by. 
can you have the courage and frustrate yourself enough to say, hey, can I actually have the table by the window over there? Like, can I have the booth actually? That would be better. Start so small. You do not have yeah. to do the big, the big leaps. They're just very, very small. And I think the beautiful thing is these things, when, once we start doing the work, like the world will present opportunities for us to be like, actually, no, I don't want to share my fries. Like yeah, you can get yeah, your own. I know, I don't, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't want to share my fries. Um, <laughs> so it's like, you're going to be frustrated either way. Mm-hmm. But if you, or you're going to be uncomfortable either way. Like, because yeah. the fresh, like you're going to be uncomfortable either way. You're either going to be like sitting in a seat in the restaurant that you really don't want to sit in, or you're going to have to be uncomfortable and ask the person to reseat you. Yeah. Like just sitting in the chair that in the seat you don't want doesn't actually accomplish anything. And also you haven't really done the person who sat you a favor. Like it doesn't, I mean, it's like a little bit more work for them, but not that much um, to reseat you. Yeah. Whereas like if you practice saying what you need, you'll be able to do it again next time. You're like that uncomfort, that discomfort actually helps you grow. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. It's helpful because it helps you do the bigger thing and the bigger thing over time where it becomes, it's going to be uncomfortable to say, tell your friends like, hey, actually when you asked me that or when you shared that, like that really hurt my feelings. That's not always the place where we have to start. We can start really small, like, hey, with a stranger. Because <laughs> yeah. sometimes it's, yeah. it's easier to deal with the stranger's perceived disappointment in us, which again, they're not thinking about us, but that's a lot of our people-pleasing stuff is like, oh my gosh, they're so mad at me. I'm the worst person in the world. I just need to like get it together and clean this stuff up and be easier. But yeah, not, not the case. So one of the other things that disappointing people and uh, I think one of the hardest things for me was yeses versus nos. And I think in, in some ways we've had a little bit of a reprieve from this as we've all been kind of stuck in our house. Like we haven't been able to really make many plans anyway. But as the world has been like changing again lately, I feel like so many people I talked to were like, I had nothing on my calendar forever. And then now I have so much and it's really hard to figure out what you want to commit to, what you want to say yes to, what you want to say no to. And I think a lot of times, especially as we were working together and kind of working through this, I'd say yes to something, but then feel really resentful because of it. I'd feel really overdrawn and really frustrated. And I'd be mad at this person, even though they had every right to ask me. And I could have just said no, but I just I didn't feel like I had the freedom to say no. Or we say no, but then we feel really guilty about it. Like, how do we navigate our yeses and our noes? How do we figure out what the right answer is to give? I don't think there's always a right answer. So I think that's like the first thing is like, there's no, this idea of this very bifurcated, like the stars will align or won't align if you say yes or if you say no. Like just to even take some of the pressure off. And I love what you said, because a lot of it's just experimenting, like, oh, I said yes to this thing at 8.30 on a weeknight and I found myself super resentful about it. Like, oh, maybe I need to be more conscientious of my time. Like I have to get up early on Thursdays. I have to get things done. Like it's not good for me to be out until 10.30. Like I'm not a kind person the next day without great sleep. Okay, so that helps me know. Like when I say yes to things, I try, like even for me personally, I don't say yes a lot during the weeknights, um, just because I want to 
be really clear and get a good night's sleep. Like that's more important to me than connection sometimes. And I like this idea that to be able to say yes, we actually have to be, we have to have our nose to say yes. It was really helpful. Someone shared this story once where they were wanting to be friends with someone. They were working together. And so this person was like, oh my gosh, I want to be your friend. Like, let's hang out. I would love to, like, I'm, I just have really enjoyed getting to know you. And this other person said, you know, I would love to be your friend, but I've never seen you say no. And I don't know if I can trust you that when I ask you to hang out or when we do something that you'll tell me no, if you can't. And so work on that. And when you can say no, we'll hang out. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) What a bold person to be able to say something like that. Yes. Yes. So bold. I'm not that bold, but I love the idea. (laughs) It's a good metaphor, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So like experimenting, like, you know, if you like paying attention to how you feel after hanging out late on a Thursday or something like that. And that's kind of how you figure out your rules for yourself, I guess. Yeah. And I I think, yeah. And I, I listen to my body. Like I notice what it's like before hanging. I notice what my body does before hanging out. I notice what my body does when I'm hanging out. And even I notice what I feel like afterwards. Like if I've spent time with a friend, I want to feel like I've just like, received medicine in a way. Like I feel so filled up and I feel good. And I'm like, oh, I love this human. I love being with them. I feel better. I have more energy versus, I mean, it was even helpful when I would come home after hanging out with certain friends and my husband would be like, ooh, you're like a little more negative than usual. Like what happened? And that was really helpful to see, oh, Like, yeah, I don't love the stuff we talk about. I don't love who I am when I'm with this person. I don't love that we connect over these things and that it's talked about this way. Like, like, I think I'm going to take some steps back. So just, yeah, there's no right or wrong. Like we have time to figure this out. Yeah. But paying attention to like the result after really good. What's lingering. One of the things that um, I had to start I'm still not very good at it, but I'm working on it, is when someone, anyone asks me to do something, I'm really too quick to say yes because I'm excited about the idea and I like them and I want to make them happy. And so I'll say like, yeah, absolutely. And then I'll find myself like, I've double booked myself or I've committed both me and Carl to something that is going to really drain him. And like, (laughs) and it's like, yeah, I've been trying to practice pausing and saying, let me look at my calendar. I'll get back to you. Or like, that sounds super fun. I'd love to do that. But yeah, let me check my calendar and I'll get back to you. So that that way, regardless of whether I'm going to say yes or no, I have a minute to think about it because I feel like I make much better decisions when I have a minute to think about it. Agree. Yeah, I'm someone who like struggles with anxiety. And so I'm not the most... I'm not going to be your most spontaneous friend. Like... You are never going to get a text from me that's like, want to hang out right now? Like, let's go to the beach right now. What will happen is I'm going to be like, next Saturday at 12 p.m., (laughs) would you like to go to the beach? Or someone asked, like, now my friends know. And so 
that's more how it vibes. So then I even have like a week to know, okay, I'm going to have this social outing. I also know that I'm going to have time alone. Like, so it's just, I know that there's space for me to like breathe and not get lost in like the social worlds because I'm deeply introverted. So that's been, that's something that's helpful for me. But I know some people are spontaneous and we love our spontaneous friends, just not one of them. (laughs) Yes, it's just just not me. Um, One other thing that I have had to do, and I, I did it, this year. And so far, I mean, we're halfway through the year right now and it's been serving me really, really well is at the end of last year, I ended up committing me and my whole family to like way too much. And it was all people and things that were really important. It was like a family trip with Carl's family. And then my parents were coming into town to visit us like three days later. And then my best friend was coming into town and then it was Thanksgiving and it was just like thing after thing after thing. And I realized that like, I'm not my best self under those circumstances. Carl's not his best self. And like, that's a lot to do to the babies. And so as I was feeling really resentful and really stressed out at the end of last year, I sat down and like ahead of time made some rules for us for the next year. And I'll have to like look at exactly what they are. I haven't kept to them to like to the day, but really pretty close. It's like three weeks between trips or something like that two weeks between in-town guests. And I think that's basically it. And so as I was looking at the year coming, it was like, okay, well, I can't I can't do that weekend, not because that weekend is busy. It's not, but because it's too close to something else. Yeah. And I really think like, I mean, we're booked because of that for the rest of the year. Like there's not, there's not room for anything else. Um, but it's been serving us really, really well. Like we have enough yeah. downtime in between things. And I just don't, I, yeah, I, I, can't say no in the moment to things, but I can ahead of time say, this is a this is a rule I made for myself for this year and like inform people of it when the opportunity comes. So wise, so kind. And I'd say like those weekends where y'all are in town, like you're busy doing nothing. <laughs> yes, I have a hard time with that. I'm like, I'm not technically busy, but yeah, okay, that makes sense. What do we do if our no makes someone mad? It might or hurt. It might like they get to be upset and hurt and sad. That's where it's this sense. Our immediate reaction is like, how do I fix? How do I fix? Especially when we're talking about people pleasing. So this is like the most tender Achilles heel is like you work up the courage to be really brave and to say no. And then your friend or someone is like, what? What the heck? Like, that's not okay. Like, you don't care about me, da 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 da. So scary. Of course, the impetus is to be like, oh my gosh, just kidding, just kidding. I'm actually not busy. We're home. I can I can hang out. It also, if we can slow ourselves down, know that it is really scary to be told no. Like we can, like it's gonna take. It's we're gonna need some time with ourselves. But to realize, like, wow, they gave us so much clarity on what it means to be in relationship with them. Like, especially for coming out of people pleasing or even codependent patterns, people that have benefited from us not having boundaries and us always saying yes, are gonna have, like, they're actually the ones that are gonna be the most upset when we start saying no. Like that's when the system uh, is really gonna shake and ruffle and it's gonna be really scary, which is why we start small with milkshakes 
and different tables and not with people (laughs) that we know well. And so that just, this is why it's like so helpful to be in therapy and to have safe friends to talk about it just because you do need support during that because it's like your nervous system just wants to like abort the mission and like, I'll make it better, I'll make it better. But like that frustration thing we talked about, like actually committing to your no and letting them have their feelings about it is a really kind way to frustrate your system that lets you grow and lets you be a person that can have a full range of like, yes, I want to do this. No, I don't want to do this. Like if you're upset, like I hear you and it's not my responsibility. Okay. That's the next thing I wanted to ask you about because this is just one of the hardest things hard. I think a lot of times we have a hard time saying no because we do feel like we're letting down people who need us. And I'm a two on the Enneagram if that means anything to anybody. And I'm like, as two as two can be. (laughs) Like I, I love being needed. I love being there for people. It's my best way of showing love. It's how I like it. I just, it's my best thing. And so the idea that I can't be there for everybody is really, really challenging for me. And I think that that's what we bump up against when we say no is like, I feel like I'm not taking care of someone I love, or maybe they feel like we're not taking care of them. And so a couple questions about this. First of all, how do we figure out who we are responsible for and who we are not responsible for? And then I want to know what it actually looks like to be responsible for like, like who's on our, in our sphere of influence, who's in our circle, who's on our like... Yeah, this is why even in a lot of the friendship work I do, I like to spend a lot of time just even naming like you can't be friends with everyone. So this uh, researcher Dunbar, uh, I forget his, that's his last name, but he said like we can only be in about five deep, meaningful relationships at one time. That's not saying we can't have more, but we can really, our psyche can really like tolerate that many close connections. So that's not a, not a lot. So that's probably like a husband or a partner, a therapist, maybe a parent if you're close to them. And that's something that's true and, and two or three friends. So it's not a lot of people. And it's a sense, this idea of who am I responsible for, you're in relationship with them. So it takes two to tango. So I think you are responsible for if there is a problem, if there is something that's like, not, it's like disturbing the connection. It is your responsibility to bring it up. Like it is your responsibility to name that of like, even with our, like, and it's certainly a lot easier to do with the people we live with because we live with them. So you can feel the tension. Mm -hmm. Um, It's harder to do with say our friends because we don't live with them. There can be a few weeks in between. So we can, I'm saying quote unquote, forget to talk about it. Um, But the same thing will end up happening and the resentments will get built. So I would say, yeah, we're responsible. We can't control how other people show up, but I think we can be conscientious um, about our tone when we're talking to people. Like if we are generous in our assumptions, so I love this language, like, hey, the story I'm making up when this happens is this. It's going to create an entirely different response in the other person and create like a, oh, I'm not being told I'm bad. Versus if I was to tell like, hey, you're like, that sucks when you do that. Why would you ever think to do that? Like, why would you think that I want that? Like, that just makes someone lean right away. 
Um, so I think that there are ways that we can, yeah, and how we communicate what we need or don't need from the person can really change how they show up to us. Does that yeah. feel clear-ish? <laughs> yeah, well, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But like, I hesitate saying no to people because I feel like, like I need to take care of them. Like I need to be there for all the friends who need me or I need to, you know, answer the phone every single time it rings or I need to have, you know, a really long time to like talk through something with someone. And so if I say no to someone, like I'm leaving a need in them unmet. And so I guess like, how do we decide or like, you know, if we have someone who is like has kind of an unhealthy need for us, like how do we decide who we're there for? And then what does it look like to, like what's a realistic, healthy expectation of what that looks like? I love this question. I think you even named some great data earlier. Say someone says, you tell them no, and they get really upset. Like that can often be a good indicator not always. You want you don't want to like cancel people right away. But if it happens time and time again, um, that's a great indicator on what it's going to be like to be in relationship with them, that they don't really care about your needs. Like I remember I got like a message or an email once that's like, hey, I have this friend. They don't care about my preferences. They only want to do what they want to do. And they never ask me any questions. <laughs> and it's like, what's your question? Like you, there, there it is. And sometimes it's not so clear of like, this isn't a person that cares about you. Like good friendships, good relationships go both ways and they have space and good relationships can also hold and tolerate um, that sometimes we're not able to. Like, this, even this idea, um, this is why I love therapy and healing these parts of ourselves, is to really begin learning that me saying no and me leaving doesn't mean that I've left and I'm going to be gone forever. Like, mm-hmm. I will be back. I just can't show up right now. But that doesn't mean that the whole relationship is completely severed. Like, it's just a not, like more often than not with our friends or with our relationships, when we say no, it's really a not yet, like, or not this time. It's not Mm -hmm. a no forever, but it's like right now, no. Yeah. Right now, I can't. But I'm sure that there are other times where you can. So. And so it's like, if someone reacts poorly to that consistently, that's kind of a sign that they're maybe not someone that we want to be in as close relationship with. Yeah, like we don't have to end the relationship, but we just don't, we we can know and hold like, oh, I probably won't be as close to this person because they're not going to be safe. They're not really going to champion me coming more into my authentic self and like knowing more about myself. Like, oh, I actually don't like when we do this. Like, I don't like going to the movies. It's not fun. I, I can watch TV at home. I want to talk to you, but that might be all your other friend wants to do. And that's okay but can we be kind to say, I don't want to do this and also hope that like they can find a friend that really loves say going to the movies with them. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, I think one of the, we kind of talked about this at the beginning, but like it is really 
scary, the idea that we could say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. Or I think I I spent a long time trying to be the exact right shape of human to Mm -hmm. offend the least amount of people and please the most amount of people. Because I felt like, you know, if I did something wrong or if I, I said the wrong thing or did the wrong thing, then I would lose this relationship. How do we start to like break free from that fear. Like how, you know, it it is really scary to just be our own, like, I don't know if this will resonate with you, but like for, there was a time in my life, like a long time ago, where I watched a lot of America's Next Top Model. And a lot of the poses that they are in are like the most wildly uncomfortable shapes for a human to be in. And they're also like, yeah, they're wearing uncomfortable clothes, like, but yeah, they're just like contorted in this weird, like high fashion way. It's like bodies aren't, don't, that's not a that's not how bodies are shaped. But I feel like I did that a lot to try to to try to make sure that I was safe with the most amount of people. And it's way easier and better and more true to ourselves to just like stand upright and just be our own shape. But it is really scary that we might lose some relationships in the process. Like how do we work through some of that fear? Hmm. You might. Like that's a very real reality. You might lose some relationships. That's something I really highlight is when you start doing healing work, your relation, like if you're coming in for change, some changes like, you know, we get really excited about like, oh my gosh, I have less anxiety. This is amazing. And there are also some other changes in places we don't like where it's like, oh, this friendship, this relationship that used to fit so seamlessly does not anymore. So fear of, People pleasing, you might, yeah, you might lose relationships. And that has to be, I love this this idea of when the cost of staying this, like we're ready to change usually when the cost of staying the same is greater than the cost of changing. And so grief has to be a part of this work. Like even grieving our former younger selves that had to try so hard and contort our bodies so intensely to make people love us. It's like, Oh, I wish I could go back and tell my younger self, like, hey, take a breath. Like, notice the people who you don't have to contort with, like who Mm. you can just relax and be weird and dance with, because that's so much better. It's so much more fun. And I think as that's like the gift of growing older is there's less, and I don't know if you've experienced it, but there's so much less pressure to like, get a seat at the popular kids table. And it's like, no, I want to be at a table that feels good where I can like wear my soft clothes and we can laugh. (laughs) Yes, a hundred percent. Yes, let me sit in the back with like just a couple of friends and yeah, let me wear my soft clothes. Yes, so much better. It's so much better. It's so much better. But yeah, that makes sense that like as we become more ourselves and as we get better at knowing who we are and what we want and saying those things. And when we stop like truly sacrificing ourselves in like a, to a bad extent to make other people happy, we might lose some of the people who we used to be making happy, but those aren't necessarily the people that we want to be sitting at the table with anyway. Yeah. Cause they probably don't, it doesn't feel that good to be in relation. Like if you're honest, it doesn't, and that's the thing that's so helpful to come to. Like, it doesn't feel good to people, please. Yeah. Like your body doesn't feel good. The relationship doesn't feel good. You don't feel good after. And so it's yeah. like, where are the people where it like, it tastes good? It feels good. Where you're not like 
anxious. Notice those relationships and spend more time there. Yeah, yeah. I really like that. Mm-hmm. You know, as we are figuring out what we want and saying what we want and like actually setting some boundaries, like we've talked about, sometimes people aren't going to take it well. And that it's really important to have people in our corner that can like kind of talk us through it. But like, do you have any words that we can borrow for <laughs> like someone asks something of us and we say no and we say it tactfully? We don't just say no. But if someone comes back to us and is like, there's like a guilt trip that comes back to us or uh, or they're angry or something. Like, do you have any yeah words we can borrow for a moment like that? I really like talking about things. There's the saying in therapy, strike when the iron is cold. <laughs> so uh, Tell me more about this. Yeah, so it's a lot of times in fights, we are fighting about the dishes and it's never about the dishes. It's easy to like say like, we got to talk through this, like blah, 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 which is why I'm really against this bad marriage advice. Like don't go to bed angry. It's like sometimes <sighs> please do. Same, same. Don't talk about it at 9.30 at night or midnight or something like that. It's just going to get worse. Just go to bed mad. Fix it in the morning. When you've had a good night's sleep, then you wake up. That's when the iron is cold. Like, hey. And so I'm a big fan of not having conversations when people are hot and heavy and like in the heat of it. So if there's a sense of like, how dare you? It's like, hey, I totally get you're angry right now. Like, I don't think it's going to be helpful for us to talk right now. Like, I think when you've cooled down and like, I'm, I really want to work through this and talk to you about this. But when you're coming at me, like, I, I can't have a conversation. So it's kind of like when you're back in your window of tolerance, which is like nerdy nervous system work, meaning you're grounded and rested, like then, then we can have a conversation about it. Um, but even even if they're saying like, I can't believe that you did this, you can say like, I I totally get it. And it was really important for me to say this. It's not a sense of me not loving you or not caring about you, but like I had to say no for me. And if this is the first time, then it's like, I'm learning how to say no. This is actually something I haven't done a lot. And even just explaining like, I've been in therapy. I've been learning how to do this. I people please a lot. And so it's actually like a really big deal for me to have said no to you. And I get that you have hurt feelings. And believe me, it's so cringy that I hurt your feelings. And like, we're just going to have to be in this space where we're both going to have to stretch that I'm not going to be there for you in the same ways that I have been there for you. It's going to be different. Like, I love you. And it's going to be a little different. I really like that. Yeah. Um. One of the things that I think has been you know, we kind of talked about this with schedule, but when we were working together, there was a table in your office. It might still be there. But for some reason, I feel like anytime we would talk about like what was in my life or what was on my mind or what was on my plate or like kind of where I ended and other people began, we'd like reference the table. And so I picture that. And so it's like, you know, what's on your plate or something. But the more I think about that ahead of time, when it comes to my schedule, when it comes to who matters the most in my life, like that's honestly been one of the biggest things that set me free is to like the crass way of saying it is to like rank my people. And just by that, I mean like it has to be more important to me that to take care of my very best friend than it then taking care of someone I've talked to two times but wants me to go do this thing or something. You know, yeah. it's it's or I need to take on the internet. <laughs> yes. Like I need to I need to care more about my 
parents than, yeah, than I do about my second cousin once removed that wants that time that I was going to give to my mom. Just thinking through that and, and really kind of weighing it that way that it's like, I have a finite amount of time and energy in my day and in my life. And if I give this to you, I can't give it to, I can't give it to, to my mom or to my daughter or to my sister or something like that. And, but just thinking about that ahead of time. And it's, it's changed in different seasons, like what I have space for. But I think the, the more I can think about it ahead of time, the better I react in moments like that. And it used to be really, really hard for me. So hard. Um, I'm thinking about uh, Aminatou uh, So and Anne Friedman wrote this book, Big Friendship. And they talk about this idea of friendship stretches, stretching. And even I think about like, if your friends are really in relationship with anyone long enough, you're going to have to stretch in different ways. So I'm sure even becoming a mom, your time is different. And so friendships have had to stretch. So I think about that a lot. And then too, I also think about like the quality of my presence. Like if I am overworked and I have said yes to too many things, I come home to my husband and he gets a deflated, like shallow like shell of a human. And that's not fair to Uh him because he is first on my list. Like I want to give him the best energy, um, my best presence, like all of that. And so that's even something that I think about that is even helpful in this people pleasing is reality is like, who do I want to give my best energy to? Who do I want to give like my most awake, full, present, curious self to? Am I giving it Mm -hmm. to like all these people that, don't, that I'm not actually that close with, or am I giving it to my best friend, to my kids, to my partner, et cetera, to my parents? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, like for women who are just kind of working through this right now, do you have any like last things to think about or practical takeaways or anything else that we can just have in our back pocket as we're trying to I don't know, figure out who we are and break mm-hmm. free from some of this people pleasing. I would say you could experiment and find two or three things to say no to this week. Like if you're listening to this, here's your next challenge. Like say no to a few things this week and just experiment with it. You're not going to do it perfectly. It's going to be real awkward and just see what it feels like. Like, again, the port, like, I love this idea of experiment because it's not to do it perfectly. You're not going to do it perfectly, but it's just to notice, like, what was that like for me? Did I make up a big story that it was going to be impossible and it was actually, like, not that bad? Or was Mm -hmm. it that bad? And just kind of, yeah, start small. Just start small. Even just journaling. Like, that's a great way to learn about ourselves. There's often a fear of, like, what the heck do I write on the page? And it's like, excellent question. Go write about it. Um. (laughs) (laughs) write about what to write on the page yes like write like start anywhere just like yes go again it's this idea this like compulsive like who tell me who I'm supposed to be tell me who I'm supposed to be one of the greatest questions I was ever asked even by a therapist was like who are you like who are you like oh so scared to be asked that but so great yeah I love that I love that. I feel like I wanted to go journal about that. Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> just some just just some light existential journaling. I know, seriously. Um <laughs> like thank you so much for for being on today. I am just so grateful for all of your work in my life and for the like 
I don't know, 100 hours or something like that we spent together um, walking through all of this. And I'm so glad that you're doing the work that you're doing. And we'll link to all of your stuff in the show notes. Um, But really, just thank you. Thank you for having me. And thanks for everybody listening. Just like sending so much love and kindness and compassion to our people, please our hearts. Yep. Yes. You're not alone. (laughs) No, not at all. Friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I cannot tell you how much it means to me to have you here at Girls' Night. Don't forget, if you want to hear my mental health story next week and take part in our mental health check-in week, make sure you're on my email list. You can sign up at stephaniemaywilson.com. Now, before you go, I would love it if you do two quick things. The first is to subscribe. Subscribing to the podcast is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It's also a way easier way to listen because it's a way of bookmarking the show. You never have to go looking for it again. You'll Apple just automatically download the next episode when a new one's released. The other thing is that it would mean so much to me if you would take a quick second to leave a rating and a review for the podcast. The way that iTunes knows to suggest the podcast to new people is by the ratings and the reviews. That's how we invite new friends to our girls' night. So would you do me a huge favor and take just a quick second to leave a rating and a quick comment about how you like the podcast so far? It would help us out so much. And thank you to all of you who've left those beautiful five-star reviews already. It means the world to me. All right, friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night. And this next one is such a good one. I can't wait for you to hear it. I'll see you then.